Well, this is us. This is who we are. Moving into 2023, we have an opportunity for us to be together and beyond just these rows. We actually have opportunities to be in circles, and you can grow closer together and get to know your church family more and more. As you came in, a little bit more of this is us, this is what we're doing, you got a message notes guide um, on your way in. Now, uh, I started something a little bit new here because I thought maybe it'd be helpful for us to be able to follow along with notes and things like that. If you don't want one, don't take one. You don't have to have one of these, but if you do, grab one. I don't know how long I'll do it. I don't know if this will be an ongoing thing or forever thing. It's a right now thing. And so they may not be here one day. They may be, uh, but we have them right now. And it's a great way for us to be able to follow along with everything that's being shared uh, through the message and what's happening there. So if, uh, if you need one of those, uh, then make sure that you grab one when you come in on a Sunday morning. I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 16 in your Bibles or turn on your mobile devices, iPads, and bring up. Recall Matthew chapter 16. We're going to get there in just a moment as we try to understand more about what it is. This, the church. In order to be committed, truly committed to the church, you need to know what the church actually is. Let's see if maybe you guys can remember uh, this. Have you ever seen this before? This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. That's so cute. <laughs> Absolutely wrong in every aspect of the term. It's backwards. It's labeled wrong, right? Because we have come to this understanding within our culture that this is the church. But friends, this is just a building with a point. This is the church. It's the people. It's you, it's me. So a better question, what is the church? Rather, who, in fact, is the church? And we're going to look at that together for a little bit. We're going to talk about the roles of the church, the local church, the universal church. We're going to talk about what does it mean to actually be a part of this church family and moving forward and what that looks like in 2023. So let's jump right in. Buckle up. I'm going to go fast and I'm going to go strong and I'm going to go a little bit beyond what you may be used to, church family. But today is a day to set the stage for where we are and where we're headed as a church family. Sometimes I wonder, is this it? Is this the church? I show up on a Sunday morning and I do a little song and a dance from time to time uh, as I'm sitting there, or certainly just one time. I don't want to sit through this twice. And then I'll, I'll give a little bit of money and I feel better. And then I go home. So I enjoy uh, heavenly things on Sunday morning and live like hell the rest of the week. That's a biblical word. <laughs> if I was preaching out of the King James, you get a lot more than that. <laughs> and so you wonder, is this it? Is this all there is? There was a young man that was uh, completely transformed, leaving a gang in California, in the inner cities over there, somewhere over in California, and left this gang, following Jesus, gets baptized in a local church, and begins to experience something brand new. And after a few weeks of, of, of the typical of coming on Sunday morning and, and going through the worship steps, if you will, and maybe even giving a little bit of money and time... They just kind of fell away. He just kind of went away. And one of the pastors on the staff there reached out to the gentleman and said, what's going on? Are you okay? What's wrong? And he goes, 
I thought the church was going to be a lot more different than this. I, all we do is show up on Sunday morning, hang out for an hour. We don't even talk. Some people kick me out of their seats, and then that's it. I got a lot more support and a family experience from the gang I was a part of. Something's wrong, people. Something's wrong because we started calling the brick and the mortars the church, and we started acting like however we choose to act like. And we're not actually being the church. And when I say that, I know our church family is just so fascinating and unique that there's so much compassion and, and love within our church family, but we still have a great way to go when it comes to what does it mean to be the church. Well, let's try to understand a little bit more about what this means. Simply put, the church is the fellowship of all believers, the family of God. It comes from the word e ecclesia. Ecclesia is a word that actually comes from two separate words that means the assembly and the called out ones. So you can imagine putting that together. It's the assembly of the called out ones. Now when I say church, you know what, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I know church. Uh, we're in a church or that's that church down the road or it's religious in nature. Did you know that the word originally was not, um, had any religious affiliation whatsoever? It was what it was. An assembly of the called out ones. And those that assembled were actually assembling sometimes in a council and they would do their council in a public square or public arena and they would be uh, assembling separately called out from the general population and then over time of course we begin to see this more and more as it actually being an assembly of people children of God gathering together uh, we even have names, right? We have names for all of it. Every, uh, every, everybody's got their own name. And if, if you look within just a mile radius of us, I can tell you that there's at least five different named church families here. Okay, so you got Community Life Church, the Mogador United Methodist Church, Mogador Baptist Church, Springfield Church of the Brethren, and Church of Christ over by Huntington Bank. Now, back in the day, they would say, oh, yes, I'm writing to the churches of Mogador. Because it was the church family, right? It was the collective. It was the assembly. Better we should get rid of the church altogether, the name the church altogether. And we're just going to say, oh yeah, this is our assembly of the gathered ones. You should practice that. It's going to take a while to get used to that. Because that's what it really is. We are an assembly of those who are called out away from the world. Different, separate, talk different, sound different, smell different, interact different. There should be some differences. And not just a little, but from night to day different. Your neighbors, if you've lived in the house where you live for longer than six months, because I'm going to give you time to move in, put stuff on your walls, and unpack your suitcases. Six months. If after six months you're living in the same house, your neighbor right next door doesn't even know that you are a follower of Jesus, I think we're doing it wrong. I think we're doing it wrong. I want my neighbors to know that I am a follower of Christ. I have been trying to connect with one of my new neighbors. Apparently, you're on some weird schedules. <laughs> Whenever they come home, it's dark and it's late. And I just think it's kind of weird to run out across my backyard screaming, Hey, I'm your new neighbor. Hello. 
in the dark. That's just weird. So we're trying to figure that out. I don't know them yet. I don't know their schedule, but they will know me. I'm telling you, they will, know, they will know me one way or another, good, bad, or indifferent. That's, yeah, that's that guy. So what is, who in fact is the church? I want to clarify um, I, a passage within scripture, which is taking us to Matthew chapter 16. So we understand the foundation of the assembly of the called out ones, the church. Now, within this passage, uh, we know that uh, Jesus is having conversation with his disciples, and he says, um, hey, who do people say that I am? And, he's, and the, the, he gets answers. Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. And, and Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter, Simon Peter answered, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, verse 17, Son of uh, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. This shows you that the Holy Spirit interacts with our spirit and reveals to us things that maybe we didn't literally physically hear or that some human person shared with us. That the Holy Spirit talks to our spirit and revealed this to him. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. When we read that in the English language, we can take that word rock for granted. We can misunderstand it. And for a long, long time, people assumed that Jesus was building his church upon Peter. That Jesus was actually building his church upon Peter. Now stay with me for just a minute before you think this is hearsay. Um, so so we, let's look at this in the Greek language for a moment. I'm going to read it in that so that we can see the difference when we're talking about this idea of the rock. Because even Peter would say, are you building this upon you're building me? Why would we build the church upon a fallible human? Consider this for a moment. I'm going to use the word rock, but I'm going to use the Greek word. Now I say that you are Petros. Petros. Little pebble. Little rock. Upon this Petra, large cave, boulder, foundation, I will build my church. Now, you build no church on little pebble. Just make this very clear. You are Peter, little pebble. Upon what you have said will be the foundation of this church. And what's the foundation that we know of as the church? That Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. In fact, the people in the early church would go around sharing this, that, hey, the Messiah came, the Messiah came. Matthew's focus is that, hey, this in fact, Jews, hello, this was the Messiah, this is the Messiah. And so the whole focus was on that, the gospel, that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, that is Jesus. You take that away, now you have a cult. Because we believe as followers, early church would be called followers of the way, 
This was the way that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so that's our foundation. When we say church, I'm referring to us, the people. When I say church, I'm talking about a foundation built upon the truth that Jesus was the Messiah, no other, and that he, in fact, is uh, God, the Son of the living God. That is our foundation. It's interesting to note that within the New Testament, uh, solely the word ecclesia is used whenever it's addressing um, a gathered group of people. The assembly, right? The assembly of the gathered ones. So when you read through the New Testament, there's a variation of church in the Old Testament. And, but in the New Testament, it is solely speaking about... Uh, talking about the people, the gathered ones. We, in fact, are the church. So let's talk for a minute about this, uh, this word church, ecclesia. There's two meanings, uh, two meanings that I want us to talk about. Uh, first of all is the local church. This here and locally is the local church. We have local efforts, community care local, and we, we want to care for people that are, in, we say, in our own backyard. You know, we, people that we rub shoulders with, that we go to the store with, that we, 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 we are frustrated at Walmart with, you know, things of that nature. And don't be mad at Walmart. And so um, we still go there. So we, we, we talk to people. We interact with people locally. This is the church within our local group. People that you, uh, that you actually live on the same road with. Uh, in the early church, that the, anyone that lived in that general area, very close, that would be considered the gathering, the, 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 the church. Today, we have motorized vehicles that can take us far distances. So that's why some people have even been known to drive a half hour, 45 minutes. I know one uh, friend, uh, friend of mine that has driven even an hour and a half in Florida because of traffic to be able to go somewhere. And we talk about it. Why don't you go somewhere right down the road, man? I don't know. Like right there, there's church people. Like go down there, figure it out. We're messy people anyway. As long as they're teaching God's word and all of it, then go and, and, and learn and grow through that. Maybe you could even make it better. And so the local establishment of the church, but there's also the universal establishment of the church. The universal, you could also use the word global. All the church people, but just not in this time frame, all cross time, the entire church family. And don't get this confused with universalism, not that at all. Uh, that would be wrong and a cult, okay? So we're talking about universal church, the global church. So you have the local establishment and then you have the global and across time establishment of the church. And there will be a day where all believers from every time will gather together to be able to worship the one true God. That right there might be a fun little side Bible study for you. So the, the church, the two meanings, let's talk about who builds the church. Well, we read from Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus says that he builds the church. I hope that you'll hear my heart, and I'll say it as kindly as I can. Please do not refer to this church as my church, as in Pastor Gordon's church. Hey, brought some people to your church today. 
I, I want you to know that humility and a big head don't mix, okay? This is not my church in the sense that I own it and I run it. There is a head of this church and it is Christ. I have the privilege of a specific role that I've been invited to play as, as pastor, as lead pastor. I get to play that role. But we all have very specific roles. We have a staff that has very specific roles. You as the church should have a very specific role on how you interact within the church because you have a gift. You have a gift and you should use that gift. Maybe you have the gift to tell stories. We have a place for you to tell stories. Maybe you are, have a gift for raising money. It's like it attracts to you. We got a place for you. And maybe Sunday morning isn't your jam and you're like, I'm just not... People always say, I just can't do the nursery. People always assume we're going to throw you in the nursery. Listen, we don't want you in the nursery. You don't belong in the nursery if you don't want to be there. We want people that actually want to be there to be there. And so you have a gift. Maybe it's a Monday through a Saturday. Did you know there are wonderful people that come in here during the week and clean? Did you know that with a church family that has the capacity to do what we do, we don't need a custodian on staff? Why? Because we have so many awesome custodians within our church family that know how to do things, and they do it in a remarkable way as they serve this church family. You have a gift, and your gift needs to be shared, not for the sake of doing stuff, but it's out of gratitude because we have been saved by the Son of God, the Messiah, from our sin. That's, and so out of gratitude, people show up to wipe down pews. Out of gratitude, they show up to cut papers. Out of gratitude, people are showing up to work on tech things and do different things uh, within our sound and on the lower level with our students. Out of gratitude, because Jesus has done so much for me, I want to, out of gratitude, give to him. That's how we're supposed to do this, church. It's never designed to be a football game where everybody's on the field playing and we got everybody, you know, thousands and tens of hundreds of thousands of people watching the game, cheering them on, going, keep going, we're going to the snack bar. And then you go get yourself a treat and come back and watch the show. There are much better shows in town than anything you'll see here. They got lights and smoke and, and lasers and noises and all kinds of stuff. That's not the church. The church is you, the people the assembly of the gathered ones. And so Jesus builds his church and he chooses to use humanity because we're his church. And so we're called to dive in and be involved. Do not mistaken activity for salvation. Just because you're super involved and show up every week doesn't make you a doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus makes you a follower of Jesus. So well can I can I be a Christian without going to church? Technically uh, yeah, because it's you are saved by grace through faith, not by attendance. But saying I'm a Christian who's not really interested in being a part of the church, or I don't really do that, is like saying you're a football player without a team. Um, you don't really go far. 
People miss out on you. You miss out on them. The church should come together to grow together and be together as the Lord leads. Every, every time we meet together as a staff, we go through James chapter 4, and it's always a flavor of everything that we do. If the Lord allows, James chapter 4, we will do this or that. We make plans, but we're always praying, Lord, what are you already doing that we can get on board with? Because I don't want to come up with another event, program, situation, or anything whatsoever that it's like, hey, Lord, we got this going on over... Yeah, I know you're over there. You're doing your thing. But we're doing our thing. Can you just send a little sprinkle of blessing on us? I did that for so long where I wasn't interested in what the Lord was doing. I was interested in what I was doing. So now we focus intently on the idea that, Lord, what are you doing? Oh, you're over there? Then we're coming over there. Okay, put us to work. That's what the church does. Advertising at its, at its most basic core of advertising is a millions of dollars wasted, not here, uh, but like globally, millions of dollars wasted on advertisement. Why would you say that's wasted? Because if we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, nobody needs to see something on Facebook or across whatever or on the radio because the church is going out and talking and sharing and evangelizing we are the plan. It's not plan B either. There is no plan B. This is it. <laughs> Look around. This is what we got. <laughs> and it's, it's a beautiful mess that we are. And so Jesus continues to choose to use us despite us. So what is the role of the local church? Exactly that. To have a central, you know, society's uh, uh, communities used to be set up where the church was so essential that it was in the middle of the community and all the houses and everything was around it. So they know the center of town, there was the church met, right? That's where the church met. They came together to honor, uh, to honor the Lord and to worship. And then that community, they would, be, they would evangelize one another, share with one another, empower one another, pray for one another. And it was a big deal. But you see us, the church has been deemed non-essential by our culture. Consider this in 2020 during COVID-19 and all that stuff, in certain states, the church was not allowed to meet because it was not deemed essential. But liquor stores were open. All I'm saying is that it is viewed that this, that we are not essential. Though Jesus staked everything on this and sent a helper and guides and leads and builds his church. But the world, and of course, I expect that. You know, the, the reality is that people that are not of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, don't understand the things of the Spirit. So why would the world assume that we're essential? We need to realize how essential we actually are. That your neighbor, your friends, the person, the clerk down the road, people you interact with need you because you may be the plan. And God has a plan and it is so good. For the local church as we learn and grow together. So what was the church like in the New Testament? 
In Acts chapter 2, we read uh, that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching when they gathered, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So yes, they got together and they did the Lord's Supper, they did communion, but they also got together and just shared meals. You're like, wow, why is that so important? Well, consider this. When was the last time you took out someone, took someone to lunch that you really don't like? Because you're, you're not trying to spend time with that person. I'm certainly not going to be eating even a McDonald's cheeseburger with you, right? But you'll take your friends anywhere, right? You're like, oh, man, let's go hang out. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Because getting together and eating is a big deal. So they did that. They shared in the Lord's Supper and meals and to prayer. Four things they did. Teaching, learning about the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. So let's talk about the apostle, apostles' teaching for a minute. This is where they would gather together and they longed for, they learned through Peter's sermons in Acts chapter 2 where we see where Peter lays down a sermon like no other man. And, and everybody was like, oh, I want to hear more, I want to hear more. There was such a hunger in the air that we don't have today. Such a hunger that this is, what, this is what we've been longing for, waiting for, and they, they, were, they were devoting themselves to what they were going to learn from the apostles' teaching. And so that's what we do here on a Sunday morning and at different times where we open God's Word and we talk through it. Starting next week, we're going to start a series that is going to go on for a while. We call it Matthew and Friends. My primary text is going to be all through the book of Matthew. We're going to study almost verse by verse the book of Matthew. And we're going to sprinkle in some Mark and Luke as we go along the way and see how they line up. Now, John, he's like in his own category, man. We'll get to John, but he's not going to be in Matthew and friends. So we're going to, we're going to walk through that. So I encourage you to long for this teaching, like just really in practice. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible, maybe a study Bible, maybe a journal if you like to take notes and be ready next week to come back and, and, and to dive into the gospel of Matthew. The teachings... So they devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship. The term Luke uses for fellowship in, our, in, uh, in a text is a much broader term than the English word. Essentially, fellowship means joint partnership or sharing something in common. Fellowship is not a hangout. Fellowship is not just a casual thing. It's a joint partnership that I actually agree with you, you agree with me, and together we're going to do life together. Now, when I say agree with, we Christians in 2022, 2023 have worked really hard to disagree on the dumbest things. I'm just going to throw that out there. You may be one of the people that are going to disagree with me, and that's okay. I don't mind if you disagree with me, because we are going to have moments of disagreement. We choose to focus on the essentials within our church family. I have dear friends of mine that um, I wouldn't say polar opposites, but we're definitely not fully on the same track. But we both agree on the foundations. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are saved by grace through faith alone. And so we can disagree, believers. But what Scripture teaches is that when you gather together in fellowship, you should, you should connect with believers, like-minded Individuals believing that that same spirit unifies you, but also be careful about the amount of time and commitment you make with people that are not believers. 
Because likewise, you got to be careful how much they're pouring into you. Everybody needs to have somebody in their life that needs Jesus. That's what we're here for. But if you surround yourself with nothing but unbelievers, it's going to be excruciatingly hard for you to, to, to evangelize or do anything. And you're going to find yourself in those same ruts and those same situations as you did before. So fellowship, apostles teaching, devoted themselves to learning. They devoted themselves to fellowship, being with one another, joint partnership, actually working together. You should be able to come in here on a weekly basis and look across and go, oh yeah, there's so-and-so that does this and then they do that and you know that you're working together. And if you don't know any, everybody yet, then you can say, well man, these are the people I work with, I serve with. This is how I like to say it. I want to know who I'm going to battle with. Because this is a war. This is not a very casual, like, woo, he's so fun, like, to being a Christian. This is a battle. And I want to know who's going to stand with me on the front line. And Paul had somebody with him, if you remember, was on the front line. I believe it was his first missionary journey, John Mark. And Mark left. And then Barnabas, his cousin, was like, hey, let's get, let's get Mark back in here. And Paul was like, nope, not interested. Because he, we were on the front line, and he bailed. You take him. I'm going to take someone else. Now, eventually, there were some moments of reconciliation that occurred. But it's very frustrating when you're on the front line, ready to go to war, and you got everything primed, you're ready to go. If I'm in a real war with a gun, I guess. And you're, and you're going out there, and the person next to you says, I'm out. Because unless you bail too, you got to hold the line. This isn't a game. It's, it's not playing here. The Lord said, count the cost before you commit to this. Count the cost. What does this look like? Fellowship. Many occasions within the New Testament, fellowship was, was especially referred to as sharing financial resources, giving, as we've talked about here. Romans chapter 12, contribute to the needs of the saints, pursue hospitality, this idea that we give, that we give with a cheerful heart, that we give because we're so grateful for the salvation that we received. Now, some might say in different, in contexts, well, I don't know that I can trust the leadership. Okay, so I totally get that. So sit on it for a moment, interact, spend some time, a couple months, three, six months, if you're, if you're brand new to the society, right, the church family, and then decide, are you going to trust the church family or not? Because if you're not going to trust the church family, then you might want to find a church family that you can trust. I mean, let's just be honest with each other. Let's be real. We, we, we've got people in our own community dying and going to a place they'll never see Jesus again. The Bible calls hell. And I'm not okay with dancing around issues and dancing around the situation. We've got such limited time right while here on earth. We need, to, we need to dig in our heels, man. And we need to show people that truly Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Apostles teaching, fellowship, fellowship through breaking bread and prayers. Breaking bread is a powerful thing that we can do in life groups. You can get together and spend time with each other and just eat. I mean, there's been people that do like dinners after Thanksgiving and they just all bring their leftovers. 
Have you ever heard of that? And they bring their leftovers and put it on a calendar and they're like, well, this is what we had. Not three-week-old stuff. We're talking about like just, just recent stuff. Leave that stuff at home, you know. But you just come over and hang out and you're like, wow, how could you ever? Because it's real. It's real people getting together with real stuff and mixing foods that don't mix. But we're together. We're enjoying one another. We're laughing about stuff. We're celebrating the Lord together by breaking bread. That's why, you know, we, 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 try, we try hard to have times where the church family can come together and have meals. Last July, we had a, the largest dining room table I had ever seen in the parking lot of what once was Las Peñas because we were good friends with them and they let us use their parking lot. They weren't open on Sunday. So we put together... 16, 14, eight foot long tables. There was approximately 125, 130 or some seats. And it was a long table. And it's getting longer, which is a beautiful thing. But then you start missing people. And we want everybody to be seen and heard and empowered and strengthened to move forward to see people and hear people. And so these life groups are going to be able to do that. Discipleship, relationship making, it'll be a beautiful thing. And prayers, which I'm going to talk about prayer here in just a minute. Now, who are we? Who are we, the church? The profound history of Community Life Church goes back quite a long ways, which doesn't make us an old church. It makes us an established church. And at the time, about 1828 to 1832, that's right, I didn't say 19, I said 18, 1828 and 1832, a group of people got together and formed a society, they would have called them a society at that time, an assembly of the called out ones that met on this property here. There was no school, none of that here. Um, it was just founded 25-ish, between 20 and 25 years prior to that, Mogador was, or Bradleyville at the time know your history, right? And so we have this collective group of people at some point in time. Uh, they called themselves the, the Church of Christ and then the Disciples of Christ. Uh, and they met, they met in a little, a little white church. Let me show you this building here. This is, an, this is a picture of that building that they met in, the one to the right, of course. And they expanded on that building because they grew in numbers as the church evangelized and cared for one another. And then got to a place where they no longer could meet in this building. So in 1925, they drew up some plans to be able to put up this section with the auditorium, the sanctuary space here and up uh, below us and everything. You can see the gentleman over here that's in that really cool white suit. I gotta get me one of those. <laughs> Standing on the side of the building right here by the steps and you're going, oh, where's that other part? Because this was the original building in 1925. But then Mogador Christian Church in 1956 decided, hey, we need to expand. And so they put on what they called an education wing, which you can see uh, here in the plans, how it expands over closer to Curtis Street. It is not unlike this church family, this society of believers, this assembly to do whatever it takes to expand as ch the church grew as the church grew in numbers, as they grew in discipleship. 
In 2016, I had the privilege of coming here as, uh, to, to, to start ministry here. As a faithful few were here as Mogador Christian Church and decided that, I'm not quoting anyone here, they had to let go of what they had and all they knew and let God do with it as he chose. And they contacted a church from Akron, Cornerstone Church, that I was a part of at the time, to come over and adopt them. And so we started doing ministry, and from 2016 to May of 2020, God used that time to mature, develop, and radically change everything and everyone that was participating at that point in time. And then the executive leadership of Cornerstone Church made the decision that we were going to vote and launch this church to be an independent church by itself. And we became, in 2020, May of 2020, um, Community Life Church. And to this day, we continue to take on everything that the church family that went before us has done with love and care and support. The whole reason we even have a patio, the gathering place, is for us, yes, but also for the community. People walk by and they say, oh, I thought the patio was for the church. Why in the world do you think that we would put this out here for just us? Because people do that. They build buildings and they erect monuments to themselves. And the goal in mind for that patio was for the whole community to come and sit. And we put a big white cooler on the, on the patio. We're known as the church with the cooler. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean or not. But we have it filled three times a week. If you want to be a part of that, you can serve during the week and fill it up with ice and water and sweet tea and whatever else beverages that we have. And we put them out there and we give, it a, give them a place to be able to enjoy and sit and chill. We even have little bowls for them to water their pets. Three sizes, little, medium, and a horse, you know, like these big dogs. <laughs> That's what we do. That's who we are because we truly believe in our focus. We don't have a mission or a vision per se. Some people use those terminologies. That's basically what it is. But we have simplified our focus to uh, what you see over here on the side wall. It was behind me, but then we moved it and it's going to stay there indefinitely at this time. We focus on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. And the process for that is very simple. Ready? We want people to love God who will love people who then make disciples who love God, love people, and make disciples. You walk around this building in the bathroom, in the office, or downstairs, upstairs, you'll see a small version of that stuck by a door somewhere because we want to see it everywhere we go because that is our focus. It's outward focus too. We're going to love God, love people, and make disciples. That's our focus. That's what we do. Now, how do we behave? Well, this all comes from Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 gives us this. You know, when we think about Community Life Church and like a mission and a vision and things like this, and as we prayed over it, we began to decide that, well, what does God say about the church? Because I don't want to come up with another mission or a vision that's too long and nobody understands it. And so let's think through this. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, we're, we're told that we're, we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And the first, uh, this is the greatest commandment, so love God. And the second of the two greatest commandments is to love your neighbor as yourself. So that makes sense. Okay, so it seems like I'm supposed to love God and love people. 
Is that all I'm supposed to do? Didn't Jesus say something else? Ah, Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. That's where we get it from. It's right out of scripture, commands that Jesus gave to his disciples that we adopt as our focus. Now, how do we behave with that focus? Let me share with you uh, our core values, and then we're going to wrap up here. Our core values are very simple. We, we, this year, we're going to highlight a little bit more one of them, but we're not putting these in any particular order. We just want to do better at our core values. If this is who we say we are, then we better do it. The first one that I want to talk about is prayer. You notice that here on the platform, we had uh, the Jack and John show. Wasn't that great? And John was praying over our church family. Those are real people you heard. It wasn't just a general corporate prayer for the sake of, you know, whatever. We want to be more intentional, that's all. And so John was praying with permission from people. We didn't just take it offline and start saying stuff. That we actually got permission to pray over these people publicly and to be able to get the church family around that as well. You can be on the prayer chain, not a gossip chain, but a prayer chain where information is emailed out to you so that you can intentionally seek the heart of God. That's a prayer chain. If you're on a prayer chain to get the information and then you go talk about the information, get off the prayer chain. Please email me directly. I will take care of it. You do not do anything. Because if you're not earnestly seeking the heart of God through these prayers, then it's not doing any good and you're just getting information you really don't need. And so prayer, we want to pray intently. We want to pray continually. I would love to see in 2023... That we could say to our church family that every single day of the week, we have two hours of the day fully covered in prayer. Somebody is praying for within that two hours of time. That's 56 people that commit to 15 minutes a day. Every Tuesday at 11 o'clock, and you're praying for 15 minutes over whatever. You can pray over whatever you decide, over the list, whatever you want to do. Could you imagine a church actually empowered with prayer? It's crazy. Just leaning forward, God, what do you have? What do you want for us? What is your will? Rather than gimme, 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 gimme. What if to see the church focused on prayer. You can go online and you can sign up for that prayer chain if you want to be a part of that. Obedience. We need to be an obedient people, giving of our time, our talents, our tithes, being invested, being involved, doing something, being obedient in whatever Jesus has called us to do as a church. Another core value is love. These core values are something we're going to talk about all year long, so I'm, going to, so I'm going to just going to touch on each one. Love. Register for a life group. You want to learn how to love? Get with a group of people that you're not sure about, but you're just going to do it in Jesus' name, and then you are going to be able to learn, practice, and get into those relationships. This here, caring for one another. Somebody says, hey, I'm in need, and somebody jumps up to do it. You're loving Simplicity, believe it or not, one of our core values for Community Life Church is simplicity. Why? Because, well, frankly, we believe Jesus kept it simple. And here's why, where I get this. When Jesus looked at his disciples, he said he had a very simple invitation. He said, follow me. That's it. Super simple to understand. The application and follow through 
incredibly hard. So we're not talking about easy, we're talking about simple. You need to make your life simple so that you can understand it. So that you're not running all over the place. You have no idea where you're at or where you've been. Simple. A simple message that we can share with our community. Simplicity. Awareness. We need to know how we're behaving. I want us to be aware. I want to be aware. I want to be able to be around people and people to say something like, hey, did you know? And then me to learn and grow through that. Awareness. Being aware of how I'm behaving as a follower of Christ. Discipleship, eventually, listen to this, discipleship, eventually everyone should be mentoring someone if you are a Christian. Everybody, doesn't matter how young you are or how seasoned in life you are, you have a great amount to share. There's so much that you've learned through life, so much that God can use through you and wants to use through you. But you've got so wrapped up in the usual, well, you know, I go to church on Sundays and that's my time. That's though, that's not the church. You're called to actually go and make disciples. So discipleship, authenticity, be kind, be real, be real with people. You don't have to be mean to be real, but be, be real. Like just if you're hurting, you're hurting. Let us pray for you. If you're hurting on a day, then come up here and we'll pray as we're going through our worship time, through our singing worship time, and we'll just pray over you. Someone will find you. If you don't want anybody to pray with you, um, then come up here with a sign that says, don't pray with me. I don't know. But people are going to surround you because that's what the church does. We surround people. People say, well, I'm just going to do this on my own. That's a terrible idea. Why would you do it on your own? That's the epitome of the American lifestyle is a self-made man or woman. I got this. I don't need your help. I need all of you because I'm regularly tempted with thoughts of how easy it would be just to go back to my pre-Jesus lifestyle of drinking and no commitment to anything but me. But I am painfully aware that living in the community, I have people that will see me when I don't see them. And to me, that is comforting. It's accountability. I went down, went on vacation one time. I was on the beach in, in uh, I don't know, one of the Carolinas. And I was like, you know, this is the thoughts that go through my head. Maybe you're better than me. You know what? Nobody would see me down here if I just wanted to have a little something. Now, my story is different than your story. I'm not saying alcohol is evil. I'm just telling you my story. So be quiet. I can't, I can't have any, uh, I can't have any alcohol in my life, period, at all. That's what, I, that's how I've had to do it. And so I've been down, down on the beach, and well, nobody would ever, and wouldn't you know it, I chose not to, just in time, for somebody that I know to come by and be like, hey, Pastor Gordon, I didn't know you were here. Of course you're here. Yep, yep, that makes sense. That's what the Lord does. Accountability. The church is everywhere, man. And I love that accountability because left to my own devices, I am a sinful, selfish man. Only by the grace of God can I do anything that I'm doing. I need you and you 
need me. We need each other. We need to be in God's word, as I've talked about with the apostles' teaching. We need, to, we need to long for God's word. Get yourself a Bible, maybe a journal, and be ready next week to jump into Matthew and family. We, uh, we focus on the family of God, caring for people as family. We, we have one focus, and that is our God. Anything that tries to go over top of that is an idol. And we want everyone to be truly discipled in the faith. Goodness. So what's the big idea from today? This is us, man. The church. This is us. In all of our mess and all of our noises and distractions and all of our stuff. This is us. No better group of people to be a part of than the church. A healthy church at that. Next step for us, how will you be the church in 2023 through CLC? You can be the church here or you can be the church with another healthy church. That's your choice. But don't just show up like a football game and think that you should be entertained because you paid your ticket. This is the church, man. We're all involved and we should all be on board with what's going on. Next week, we jump into Matthew and Friends. We're going to do an overview of Matthew, and we're going to sit in that book for a while. So buckle up. It's going to be a really cool ride. Let's pray together. Heavenly Fathers, we have just unloaded a great deal of information and truth. I pray that you will seal it to our hearts and help us to uh, empower us to take it with us through in this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me as we head out here today. Thank you for your time, your attention, your grace. Be sure to uh, register for a life group. Uh, all the information's online. You know where to find it if you want it. Now receive the blessing of the Lord. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now say it with me. Go and be the church.